0: Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host,
1: Caitlin, and we are back from Star Wars Celebration, Woo! Chicago, and we are already getting ready for Star Wars Celebration Anaheim. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so ready, actually. Like I'm it's so actually kind of crazy. I when they announced it. I didn't really have any expectations that they were going to announce it, because last celebration we were at, they didn't. And we were all like, huh? (laughs) But it definitely softened the blow of leaving Chicago just a little bit, knowing that we'd be back in 2020 Mm -hmm. at a celebration.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited. I'm excited to go to Anaheim. I'm excited to go to Disneyland. I'm excited for the food trucks. (laughs) Everyone freaking talks about the food trucks literally more than anything else when they bring up Celebration in Anaheim.
0: That and this $1 taco situation at the Hilton. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. That's like all (laughs) – no no one's like, oh, I had this great experience. I met like an actor or I did – like this panel was amazing. It's like Anaheim, food trucks, tacos.
0: They're like, the setup is so good. There's food trucks. The hotels There's, are right right around it. That's all anyone trucks. has to
1: say about <laughs> yeah. Celebration Anaheim. Is,
0: the I setup mean, like, is great. I there totally food relate to this. Oh, like, yeah.
1: It's so great. Their, their marketing has worked because like they said Anaheim and my first thought was, oh, my God, the food trucks. <laughs> I'm so ready.
0: I'm very ready for the food trucks. We didn't necessarily wrap up our celebration experience because the last time we talked to you guys, it was Sunday night and we hadn't fully experienced Monday yet. (laughs) So maybe we should run through how Monday was, our last day at the convention.
1: Monday was really fun. It was – I mean, it was a good day. It was a sad day um, because it was the last day of celebration. But uh, we went to the Phantom Menace panel, which was – interesting um <laughs> it was good there was no natalie portman and no george lucas no year mcgregor and no liam neeson <laughs> yes but the the panel itself we, we talked about this but we we kind of, we both kind of hyped it up a little bit too much in our heads but for what it was the fact that like Natalie Portman wasn't there. The panel itself was really good. Like it was really interesting hearing from a lot of the behind the scenes creators, like Gene Volte who basically like invented the technology, like helped develop the technology for the CGI and for the motion capture, like took taking things to the next level. Amazing. Why mm-hmm. has she never been to Celebration?
0: <laughs> I don't know, and I've never heard of her before. I, I feel know. like a bad Star Wars fan, but I don't know exactly. if that's my fault or if that's Lucasfilm's fault or something like that. And I am really, really thankful to this panel for, like, introducing me to her. Mm -hmm. She was the only woman on stage. (laughs) I just realized
1: that, right? And Yes. And I'm pretty sure Warwick Davis got her position incorrect. (laughs) Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. The best thing about the
0: Phantom Menace panel, though, was giving Ahmed Best a standing ovation Mm -hmm. and everything. I think that was, like – Everyone knew that we were going to do that and it happened. And our friends That's Jim fun. and Sarah and Savannah and Brian all like started a chant Ahmed Ahmed for him.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: that was really powerful. I think that like oh, we had really, like Caitlin said, we had really high expectations for this panel and it was really great. To celebrate the Phantom Menace, and the the message that George sent was also like really cute, th- he was, it was, he, it was
1: he cute was, and it was interesting.
0: <laughs> agreed, agreed. Where he said my, one of my favorite films what, that to make was the Phantom Menace, and all of you love it, and I love all of you. And that was really, it was really cute when he said that.
1: It was it was very pointed. If he was like, and if you're here as in the panel, you like it too, and. I love you, like you specifically, <laughs> who love this movie. It was uh, it was a very specific uh, word choice, which I was like, George, just going for it, love it, give me more. But the best
0: panel of the day was the Resistance panel. Oh my
1: god, the Resistance panel was so good, and it's not even because we were still riding on a high from yelling at Christopher Sean and and um uh eager the day before, <laughs> like.
0: Yeah, if you guys haven't listened to that part, go listen. (laughs) But I, it was really great. It was there's such good energy of like that, the whole cast. It's being their first celebration, except for Donald Faison, who's been before. As a fan, Um, (laughs) yeah, as a fan, and it was just so fun. Everyone is their character. Oh my god, it's insane, and. Then we got to watch the first episode
1: of the second season. So good. Oh my gosh, you guys. That was that was like so much fun watching it in a crowd like that. The The episode looked
0: so good. Colossus looked great. I <laughs> yeah. realized I had never watched an episode of Resistance with someone else. Yeah.
1: No, I did too. At first I was like, oh, this is the first episode Charlotte and I are watching together. And then I was like, oh my God, with – with all of our like friends here in in the in the panel room, it was so fun. They were they asked good questions. They got to talk about their characters. Scott
0: Lawrence talked about the Colossus. The funniest thing I thought about that panel was that David Collins asked various Sky Talkers asked questions. Literally, I was like, yeah. "What is <laughs> happening?" there was so a lot of people tweeted at us that there was basically a pasta metaphor where someone says everything is boiling over uh-huh. and um and then David Collins said he was like, What's the state of the first order? what's the state of the resistance <laughs> literally. literally
1: and he asked, he asked everyone what their high, like what their favorite part, what their high was for the for this season and scott lawrence his high was the colossus
0: which is great because the night before caitlin had been talking to him about the colossus it Mm -hmm. was like verbatim what she had said
1: yeah which okay i think i had left out of that story with scott lawrence because i was just like beside myself with the fact that i had actually yelled at scott lawrence about how much i love the colossus is that scott lawrence was actually the one who brought up the colossus when we started (laughs) talking to him it wasn't me (laughs) Are you <laughs> like, sure about that? I'm positive because I don't I I think that's what made me like so like, oh my god <laughs> because he brought it up and I was like, Oh my god, me too. Um because he was like, Yeah, you know, like, the, Okay, like, well that so changes good. things. And, like we've got the Colossus out of the water, it was so cool. And I was like, wasn't it?
0: It was.
1: So yes, yeah, Scott Lawrence did bring up the Colossus, but I just definitely like took it to the whole next level. <laughs> yeah. And uh Yeah, the first, guys, you're going to love the first episode. If you're a fan of Resistance, the first episode hits all of the same – like it has all the same beats that we love from the first season. It definitely looks like it's taking it in a new direction.
0: So good. I can't wait for it to come back. Yeah. And then saying goodbye was really hard – It was very emotional, Mm -hmm. and I was really sad because first off, like within like ten minutes before the con ended, basically I got a text that my flight was canceled, so I had to stay one extra day, and I was so tired. And after Caitlin left, I went to the hotel, which I I decided to stay in the Hyatt, which is connected. I went to the hotel, and I was like so sad that it was over. Like the entire night was like. Me being extremely emotional about how good celebration was. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I um I listened back to basically like all of our not I not the whole things, but I like skipped through our celebration preparation episode, our podcast pants stage, and our um our check in in the middle pod of like of the con when I was going to the airport, and I was like, this is just like so fun and. Like, listening to our celebration preparation episode, we were like, here's a list of every single thing that went wrong and, like, how emotional it was. And even though that was a great experience, like, this past weekend was just, like, over the moon. Like, there were no bad parts.
0: I don't think anything went wrong.
1: I don't think – like, I need to, like, knock on wood or, like, we're going to get, like, a bill from – Someone that's like you owe us eighty thousand dollars from Celebration or something. I don't know. Like it's like when's the other shoe gonna drop? Um, but it was it was just the best like Star Wars time that I think I've ever had. And like every time I have listened back to the start of our podcast age, like at least a dozen times, because just like hearing everyone in the room just makes me like so happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like I that's that's my favorite thing we've ever done with the show, honestly just like having everyone there to like talk to about these things and for people to like bring us books and bring questions. And it was just, it was, it was so, so, so much fun. And I can't wait until 2020 to do it all over again and to see all of you guys again. Um, That really, I just, I don't even know. I'm
0: so happy. Me too. I feel the same way. Mm -hmm. So thank you guys. If you came up to us and talked to us, thank you for coming to our podcast stage. Thank you for following along with us for celebration, even if you weren't there, and it means the world. And it was so emotional and overwhelming. And when I say that I got back to the hotel and I cried, it was like the moment where like everything kind of caught up to me, and I was like, "Oh my god, that was the best weekend ever." Mm-hmm. It really, really was. It really was. So, oh boy, here's here's to
1: here's to celebration Anaheim 2020. I don't know how it's going to top it. I really don't know how it's going to top it.
0: (laughs) But somehow it will. I know it will. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, you know, we talked all about the episode nine teaser the moment it dropped, but we haven't done any deep analysis. Literally the moment it dropped. (laughs) And a lot, we've thought a lot about it, and I don't, like, there's some, there's some, like, solid thoughts that happened in our panel, in our podcast Mm stage appearance, but We needed to marinate on it. And at this point, it's been a week since it released, which is crazy. And we've thought about it. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through the entire teaser trailer. We had, like, basically not shot for shot because I find that a little tedious. But I think chronologically is how we're going to go into it and kind of discuss our thoughts. This isn't going to be a three-part episode just because I don't really know how to separate it. So I think we're just going to go for it and um without further ado let's get started
1: so who talks first
0: you talk first i talk first
1: okay welcome to part one the only part um <laughs>
0: part one the only part
1: part one the only part <laughs> where uh should we start with the title yes Even though that's at the end of the trailer
0: yeah let's do it
1: let's start with the title so the title of the film is the rise of skywalker and we actually spent an alarming amount of time on this in our podcast stage. <laughs> um, but you said in the in the podcast stage that you weren't quite sure how the title was sitting you sitting with you. Uh, has that opinion changed in the the days since?
0: Well, I think that what we have talked about since off show about, and we mentioned this in the show before about how we have uh, revenge, return, rise. And I really like Rise as a metaphor almost because I think that the the Skywalker is Ben Solo. And I think that there's like something really great about like the Phoenix rising from the ashes type. Um, That's what I think of when I hear Rise. Mm -hmm. I like it more. I'm liking it way more. I feel like it is extremely Mm -hmm. (laughs) redemption-esque. So So on the nose that I'm almost like – this isn't the title. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. It, it still feels weird to me to say, like, Skywalker is like a collective. It's strange to me. And it doesn't necessarily roll off the tongue, but it's starting to. And it's only mm-hmm. been a week. But what do you think about it?
1: I think when we discussed it at the podcast stage, I really liked, and the more I've thought about it, this like flow of the words for the third parts of these trilogies, the revenge, Uh, return and rise. Um, I really I I like it a lot more because I think the honestly the like Skywalker is the thing that like throws me off (laughs) in this title that I'm like oh. Really? Like, <laughs> that's in the title? But The Rise, I really love for a lot of the reasons you described before. And then something that I've been seeing around the internet um, and something that I thought of a little bit as well is that it, it reads like a hero's journey, these mm-hmm. titles. Because it's like revenge is what led to the darkness, what led to despair. And so there was a return that kind of started things over and now we're getting to The Rise. And mm-hmm. then that was kind of my initial thoughts at the time. And then kind of being on the internet and hearing people talk about it and talking about it to people. People really kind of paralleled it to Anakin's journey as well, like the and and that connects us right back to Kylo, right? Hit some of his first words in this trilogy were, "I will finish what you started, grandfather," and the revenge. We lost Anakin Skywalker, so we had to make a return back to who he was. But the story isn't over yet because he wasn't able to actually finish what he started. And at the time, all of us have conjectured that that was about Padme when maybe it was actually about Palpatine. (laughs) Um, And so now we're finally getting to the triumphant rise, the triumphant conclusion. And even thinking about it now, it's like the name Skywalker is such a – it's such like a – it's a contrast because, you know, sky is like up <laughs> mm-hmm. and like lofty and airy and, and I think of sky as kind of a bright word. And then walker is very grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're both like overall it's a positive name, both just in like the words and themselves and then also in like usually when you think of Skywalker, I think most people think of Luke first mm-hmm. um, and he's considered generally depending on where you fall like a a bright character at least like when you think of him in the original trilogy I don't know I just it's city. I like it
0: (laughs) I think it's really hopeful it's a really like you're right it's a positive title and I think that's like that's exactly what I want from this movie is positivity and like upliftingness and joy that's what I really want from this movie and I Mm -hmm. get that from the title so therefore I I do like it I'm just surprised by it.
1: Yeah, I think that's it. It's like so surprising um, because I I remember before there were kind of and I guess we can talk about this now that there were kind of leaks about it just being called Skywalker, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and I remember we were like, well, that'll be great branding for (laughs) Sky (laughs) Talkers, and um, that. But I never would have thought of the word Rise. Honestly,
0: Um, I think I think that because. It's surprising. I think that a lot of the theories about what the title would be were kind of thinking about, like, an organization like yeah. Rise of the Resistance or, like... Spark of Hope. Spark... Yeah, even, like, something general like that, but this is so individualistic-based. Like, I think that The Last Jedi was like that, too, and I think that that movie is so character-driven, and it gives me hope that this movie will also be in the same vein as character-driven, mm-hmm. if that makes sense.
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. I think... Like with The Last Jedi, it's we talked a lot about if it was plural or singular, but The Rise of Skywalker is very singular. Um, you think so? See, I don't know if I, I agree know, with that. Well, I know a lot of people have talked about like Skywalker becoming like a new term for like the group of like force sensitive people, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know how I feel about that. I'll say, like, I don't love that theory at first, um, or currently, I don't love that theory just because I don't know. I'm I'm biased and I want the Skywalker name to stay with the Skywalker family. I recognize that. Um, (laughs) So I don't love that idea. And I guess because I'm just like – I don't know. It was like The Force Awakens was about Rey. Then The Last Jedi was referenced to Luke and and subsequently Rey. And now The Rise of Skywalker is a reference to Kylo in my head is how I see it. And I think that works really well because we've all – like The Last Jedi was kind of this bridge – Between the two films, I think it will be viewed as such once we have the conclusion of the trilogy and the saga. And I don't know. It'll be like – it'll be balanced because The Force Awakens was about Rey and then the rise of Skywalker referring to Kylo. And then where they meet is in the middle in The Last Jedi. And they're two halves of a protagonist.
0: I don't know if I – I mean, I I agree with you. I just – I think I kind of like the whole – Skywalker becomes the new name just because Ben Solo carries the Solo name. And as we saw in the movie Solo, that name holds an interesting weight to Han as it is a name that he didn't choose, but someone else chose it for him. And wow. I kind of like this idea of the fact that maybe in the future, when he, you know, turns away from Kylo Ren and becomes Ben, that he could take on the mantle in the same way that Rey does of the Skywalker name.
1: Yeah, I guess I just view it as he already has that name. And I kind of view it the opposite way in regards to, like, the Solo name. As in, like, I think that that detail about Han's life works really well when we look at Kylo and how he has had, like, Solo was a name given to Han, just like Kylo Ren was a, like, it's a shell around the real person of ben solo but even then like the real person of ben solo that name solo isn't actually real i mean it's real but it was like it was given and so i kind of see ben choosing to take the name skywalker as like the first choice that he's made for himself that's like true
0: yeah i mean I, i feel like that's what i'm saying you're just kind of saying it a little differently
1: yeah i guess i guess i just don't know i guess my hang up not hang up but the thing i don't I'm not on board with quite yet is like Skywalker being the term for the new like Jedi.
0: The weird thing is, is that like, I just can't, and I just finished reading master and apprentice. I just can't picture the Jedi order ever going back to how it was in every other star Wars movie.
1: Mm -hmm. I don't think it can. That's the, the
0: and that's why I think that like, it makes sense for them to kind of go forward with a new name and like go away from the Jedi and just kind of, Work towards a new title, and I think that like you even hear that with Kathy Kennedy. I think today she said, "What did she say?" I sent you the quote because I was like, "What?" She said, "We don't look at at it entirely as an end. It's more of a culmination of the Skywalker story." When she talks about, she was answering a question from Anthony Carboni about like what is it like for all of this to end here, and I think she thinks about it as more of a culmination and not fully the end, and that gives me hope that like there's another story. And I think that maybe the, the other story is like the continuation of this, like something new something newly created. And I think that goes along with the hero's journey and the heroine's journey and how they have to pass on the torch and like uh, take on that, that place of like motherly ownership. Um. So I, I don't know. I think that there's, <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot there.
1: Yeah. I think there's a lot there. And I think it's kind of because Kathy said, that it's the culmination of the Skywalker saga, that that's really the emphasis here. And so that ra- the rise of Skywalker does directly refer kind of individualistically just to the family.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but I think you're right. There's a lot of time back here. And this is just the teaser
0: number one. Well, the all, the other like best thing about this teaser is that the color, which we all screamed about.
1: <laughs> is Everyone is purple been, like,
0: hashtag it's purple. <laughs> and like, it is purple, which is great because the Last Jedi's color was red. The Force Awakens color was blue, right? Am I right about that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they come might together. have been yellow,
0: but and they come together, and now it's blue. I mean, it's purple. Yeah, but blue and red
1: come make together purple. like lightsabers, and it comes together to make purple, and that's just kind of that's just kind of crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just they're like telling us pretty obviously what's gonna happen, but that's it. all and right, I, I'm
1: like I'm like so <laughs> nervous to be like this is so obvious, because then what if it's not?
0: <laughs> I know. I know. I, I don't know. I feel like we should – I feel like we should go through the teaser. Yeah. Let's start. Let's okay. So the first thing we hear is Ray breathing.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I love this – I love that we're starting here again because each teaser begins – and I mentioned this in our podcast stage – each teaser begins with breath. So Finn really stressed in The Force Awakens <laughs> – being a little stressed. <laughs> being pretty stressed in The Last Jedi. But here we have like pretty even leveled breath. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I think that it is so indicative of her character journey. And I think it's pretty representative. If, if we had Finn, I'm sure his breath would also be pretty level as well.
1: I think what the biggest surprise was hearing Luke's voice. Yeah. It was so surprising. Um, and he, what he first says is, "We've passed on all we know. A thousand generations live in you now, but this is your fight." I love this
0: because it is, like I said, it, here we are at an individualistic journey. And yes, while a thousand generations makes me think of the books which have, <laughs> which are a thousand generations of material inside of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that. Daisy has said that she, like, maybe has read some of the books. And I think that's, like, probably true. What else would she be doing? She's the one that took the books. Uh-huh. But it all comes down to this personal fight and this personal journey. And I I do believe that he's talking to Rey and Kylo here. And I don't think it's – it's obviously not just Luke. It has to be other Force ghosts as well because mm-hmm. of the way he says weave. –
1: I'm ready to be disappointed and that it just being Yoda and Luke.
0: I'm, I'm ready-, ready for that too. I am preparing myself for that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you guys remember in, in the Ahsoka episode that we, we did, I was like, I think it would be so great when the Force Ghosts come back in episode nine if it was like even Ahsoka was included in there. and We don't even know that like how that's how she like, how did she get to this point? And like everyone comes back, like we're, I'm talking like Qui Gon, Anakin, like I think it, it could potentially be really cheesy, but it also could potentially be um, like super awesome. I
1: can only see it it is so cheesy and fanservice servicey to just have this like whole, but is it table because it's the end of ghosts? This whole thing. I know. I don't. I don't like when TV shows like when a TV show ends and they just like cycle in all of the old characters who have departed throughout the series. I hate when they do that because I'm like, you guys left (laughs) like just give me time with the ones who made it here
0: to the end you know what i think it could potentially be like tell me i think that it could be something like a world between worlds or even that shadow realm that Anakin visits and Yoda visits also Mm -hmm. when he's going through the trials at the end of the Clone Wars where they're in the garden of I think it's Tranquility in the Jedi Temple and like the trees, the magical force tree is there. Anakin sees like the dual version of himself and it's like it's a it's a dream world. I don't know if necessarily we'll get some like blue force ghosty cheesy stuff, but I do think that we could see the spirit realm and something that isn't extremely cheesy, but instead almost extremely sci-fi and fantasy-esque? I definitely see something
1: like that happening. I think that's a lot more impactful, but you can yeah. still have those moments that are quote-unquote fanservicey, y just like the world between worlds is. I mean, in the podcast stage, we we talked about it. We're like, are we going to go back to the world between worlds? And given the fact that – I just, there's like so many things going on in my head right now um, when thinking about this. Thinking about number one, the fact that that was a topic that was brought up a lot of the Star Wars Rebels panel. Mm-hmm. Number two, that they showed a picture of the world between worlds with blurred out writing, which I'm like, why is it blurred out? When Dave Filoni made a point to say, you can ask me anything, everything is an open book. Blurred images appear on screen. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But also, commenting again, uh, the fact that the last place we saw Palpatine was in the world between worlds. Like, what's going on there? And then also the fact that Ray and Kylo have this red string of fate that connects them. That was something that was brought up a lot with Ryan Johnson, as well as the fact that they meet on kind of this this sacred space um, which we've talked a lot about the relationship of Ray and Kylo to the movie, your name, which JJ is very familiar with. I just like all of these things, are coming together. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Rey and Kylo, similar to our characters in Your Name, end up meeting in this like very sacred place that they've already kind of set up with the Force Bond. But if it gets taken to a whole other level and that it's an actual like some place like the world between worlds where they meet and where they're kind of like – injected with this knowledge of the thousand generations like I wouldn't be surprised like imagine for a second if we're in the world between worlds like let's just say that's where they go they both end up in the world between worlds they're finally like they haven't talked to each other they both end up there and they're like what's going on and you just see like Luke walking like down one of those ramps but you're hearing all of the voices of like Ahsoka and Qui Gon Jinn and Obi Wan and you like you're hearing all of that and like they're all saying new things, but you, we like we just see Luke's Force Ghost.
0: I think that's that could be a possibility, but even in that Rebels panel, I think Dave said that like potentially each spirit realm or like each door could yield a different. Like it doesn't have to look the same. Each temple doesn't necessarily have a world between worlds. And, like, how do you open the door? Mm-hmm. There's just there's a lot of questions where I just don't think that it would have to absolutely look just like the world between worlds that we um, saw,
1: no, but if the like that's the only thing I can think of because that's all we've seen so far, yeah, but a place like world between worlds, and for the sake of this conversation, imagining that it is the world between worlds that we saw in rebels. But, yeah, I think that I think it'll look completely different. Um, but yeah, I think, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happened because it would be taking their force bond to the next level where it's not just them seeing – like just seeing each other, but it's now them like basically being physically transported to a new place.
0: Yeah. Well, the thing about your name and just going back to there because I I was the one that was – that tweeted that I feel like that story is so interesting because here we have Two characters who are from different time periods. And we obviously don't get that with Kylo and Ray, but we have two characters in your name from different time periods who have to unite in like a, a space where there's no like time and space, essentially, to stop this like natural phenomenon from happening. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can kind of like transpose that into episode nine a little bit. And you think about these two characters who are on opposite sides perhaps more than ever who have to come together to defeat this basically unnatural phenomenon of palpatine and i i find it so curious because at this point in order to achieve the balance i wonder if like <laughs> the balance is like Kylo returning to the light because there's so much darkness where where we have Palpatine. Mm. And that was a piece that was never really there before that we would that we would discuss like how would that balance look? Like we would talk about this all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Will Kylo like maintain some part of the the dark side? Like will it look more like a yin and yang where like each part has a a little bit of light, a little bit of dark? And I think that maybe we can like restructure this a little bit because even by them destroying Palpatine together, they need to be united on the same front. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does. Um, I think what's interesting is, and I'm going to talk a little bit about the end of Your Name. So if you haven't seen it yet, one... Go see it, please. <laughs> um, but I'm going to talk about the end of it a little bit here. So fast forward a couple minutes. The one thing I like about the end of Your Name is that it kind of perfectly balanced the like bigger picture of the meteor coming with the relationship between the characters. And if you can kind of like take the metaphor a step further and be like, oh, Palpatine is the meteor that's kind of been there the whole time and like it's finally coming. Like That's the dark evil in Your Name. Um, and so they're like – the two characters are doing everything they can to remedy this destruction from happening to save all these people. Just like we kind of think that Rey and Kylo are going to come together to like once and for all take down the evil that is Palpatine. Um, But also like when the two characters in your name finally meet, there's like – I don't know. They just – it's like still about their relationship. And at like the end of the day – that like the I can't remember their names right now, but the guy character like the last thing he wanted to tell the girl was that he loved her, even in like in the middle of this like horrible evil that's coming through. I don't know. I'm like, oh my God, that's so romantic. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I wonder what we're gonna, how that's going to translate into Star Wars, because um, I think something like that will happen. But I guess kind of going back to what we were talking about about the balance. I honestly have no idea how that works because, I mean, we have talked to and for the past, like, two years about the balance of the Force and how Rey and Kylo come together to represent the balance. But, like, now we have, honestly, the biggest plot twist I don't think any of us saw coming of Palpatine returning. And Palpatine really does, like, embody, like, pure evil in – I don't know, like the biggest way. It's kind of crazy. And so I think you're kind of right that maybe like then returning to the light side actually does balance it out if you still have Palpatine. But theoretically, they're going to get rid of Palpatine. So then like then what yeah. happens?
0: Well, I think like I was just rewatching The Force Awakens teaser and you hear Andy Serkis's voice overhead that says, there's been an awakening. Have you felt it? Mm-hmm. And he goes on to say the darkness and the light and i think that like while the force awakens yes is ray's story and everything but i do think that the force awakened in that movie and potentially it wasn't just it wasn't just ray but it was also kylo and both of them have to i i mean i really think this both of them have to take down palpatine collectively and they have to work together and find that even ground
1: mm-hmm. i don't
0: know what that looks like in terms of kylo being on the dark side, being on the light side, what does that mean for balance? Maybe it's just some something more than, you know, one character is dark and the other character is light. Like I suppose the balance was achieved when I, I mean we thought for years the balance was achieved when Vader threw Palpatine down that shaft in in Return of the Jedi and Anakin came back from the dark side. Um and i think that you can say that the force was balanced then but it became unbalanced i don't know it's very confusing
1: i think i got to go back and listen to one of our last jedi episodes because before the last jedi because i swear we had a theory at the time that we were like what if something in the last jedi completely like retcons like big things that have happened in the first 6
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that, like, the coolest thing ever, and not necessarily using the word retcon, because I kind of hate that word. Yeah. But but the coolest thing. Yeah. I think the coolest thing ever about every single Star Wars movie so far is that it changes my perception for the better of everything that came before it. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I, you have that with Solo, you have that with Rebels, you have that with Resistance, you have that with the sequel trilogy as a whole. You look at, at least for me, like, even on a micro level, I look at the relationship of Honda and Leia super differently than I mm-hmm. used to just by the very existence of the sequel trilogy and where they came. I, I don't know. I feel like that's like one example, but I think that you can pull something from every single movie and how you view it. Or, like, even just in Solo, like, you look at L- L3's character and, like, the Millennium Falcon a little bit differently. You look at all these things super differently. And I see them creating another, like, avenue for us to look at Return of the Jedi and the balance and Anakin's legacy and everything that those original six movies were all about. I think that we'll be able to look at that even more and understand, even with a clearer scope, what the balance of the Force really is all about.
1: Well, it's crazy, too, because then you start thinking about, like, that was something that we were all so certain of, right? It's like... The prequel, tril- the uh, the first trilogy is Anakin's fall, and the second trilogy is Anakin's return, and like that was the story. We were like, all of these things, like all these things that happen in the Clone Wars or in the the first trilogy films, like all those things are like, you know, in Clone Wars we talk a lot about how like Ahsoka can't be that person to bring Anakin back, like she can never be that close to Anakin because it has to be Luke.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But then it's like. Now you look at it and you're like, oh, like, that story isn't actually finished yet. Like, it's still ongoing. Like, it's not like there was a stop on Anakin's story or even Luke's story at the end of Return of the Jedi. All of the things that they did and said and the things they failed at and didn't accomplish and even the things they did accomplish are still having ripple effects. And I think, like, we always talk about it that way. But the fact that this film is called The Rise of Skywalker really just, like, makes you look at it all over again and be like, Okay, yes, like that was actually correct. <laughs> like <laughs> this is a nine-part story, which is something we just we talk we like talk about so much here, and the fact that they said that it's multiple- so refreshing. It's so Hear refreshing it. that they said that multiple times in the panel of this is a three-part play, a nine-part saga. Here we are at the end. It's the culmination of the Skywalker saga. Like this is the story of the Skywalkers. They have to play a central role in it, and that means you have to be cognizant of Anakin, Luke, and Kylo's stories as well as Leia and Han and, like, now Ray as well and, like, how she fits into all of this. I just think it's so incredibly interesting. Yeah. (laughs) And, too, when you start going back in time a little bit and thinking about how George said a lot that it was always – he had always envisioned, like, nine pieces Mm -hmm. um, to this story and then Kathy and JJ both talking about – how they spoke with George a lot about episode nine.
0: I know meeting before they wrote the script. And I mean, I'm sure that was just, I I hear one meeting, but I don't, I think that's a very big meeting. Plus a couple of emails, plus a lot of phone calls. A couple of emails. Yeah. I think it's like (laughs) guywalkersound.com. I literally like I just think that it's like constant communication. And mm-hmm. to me, this is something that we've theorized and talked about for so long that George's like we have a whole series about it about George's influence and like that it even the ripple effects are felt today of George Lucas um as a creator and how these these films aren't created in a silo that without his influence. And now we see that like for years they've talked about how like oh yeah, we disregarded George's you know his drafts. We we wrote our own. I don't know if I fully buy that. I honestly don't. I don't think that they threw all those away. I think that they they Lucasfilm loves to use old concepts and refine them and bring them back. And it it really gives me hope that JJ and Kathleen and everyone who's working on Episode Nine, Chris Terrio, are talking with George about like. What is the saga even about, and how do we underscore this with like an you know uh, we underline this with like four underlines in the rise of Skywalker? Mm-hmm. How do we make this a satisfying conclusion to this three act play?
1: I remember um, I forget what behind the scene featurette it was, but it was Doug Chang, and he was talking about how. Oh, it's when they were designing – it's the K2. It's the K2 one. When they're talking about Mm -hmm. designing K2 and they're like, oh, we thought about making him like um, a different kind of C-3PO. And then they're like, well, that wasn't really working. So we went back to our safety net of Ralph McQuarrie. And I liked how you described that of like our safety net. And it goes into what you're saying, how they never – Lucasfilm never really throws anything away. I just kind of wonder at what point – because they said that like this Palpatine thing has been planned from the beginning, Mm -hmm. right? Which – Again, look to the animation department for the future of Star Wars. It's no coincidence that Palpatine is featuring heavily in the end of Rebels. Rebels. Because that's all around the same time that all of this, all of these conversations are happening. <laughs> and yep. I just
0: – the synergy there, man. <laughs> and it's not even synergy because it's not like it's happening at the same time. It's just like to our knowledge, yeah. it is – All the pieces are on the table and all these creators are kind of playing with these pieces. little, But like little do we know how much it's going to impact like literally six years later.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Which means that Dave Filoni knows how episode nine ends.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. He does. Guarantee it. (laughs) So let's go through the trailer. So the first shot is the best ever. Mm -hmm. The fact that this is one minute. Of a two minute trailer. Yeah. So like it's literally 50% of this is Rey preparing I I just like I keep going back to like what it feels like to have watched this for the first time I and like then we see her lightsaber and Han Solo's blaster which I think is just it's just such an iconic image Mm -hmm. of the lightsaber with the bandage on it I don't know if you guys saw that literally Rey like putting the lightsaber back together and putting a bandaid on it which I just feel like is so Rey (laughs) Uh, so right and, and
1: so right
0: exactly and then also having Han Solo's blaster that well, Han Solo the the blaster that Han gave her I think it's, it's to me it, it is poignant and also this this image of you know to the screen on the left is very it's very western to me of like the opponent coming forth mm-hmm. um, I think that there's obviously discussion of like whether or not this is the opponent um I mean, obviously, we don't think that. I think that they're training. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that if if they were fighting, Kylo would be shooting at her. Yeah, I just it she it
1: seems too much like a drill. Like she knows exactly what to do here,
0: and like of course, Ray could possibly know exactly what to do. Like she's Ray. She's awesome, well, and yeah, she's been I studying just- the books. But I, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate. But obviously, I think that her. Like, even looking over her shoulder and, like, <laughs> running towards it. She does know exactly what to do. Because she's done it before. Because she's done it. They've been at this for hours. And, like, I think that we there's there's been several twi- Twitter users who've, like, studied the cloud coverage and how things have progressed from, like, that first shot and then the next shot and, like, every camera switch. Mm-hmm. And it almost seems like certain things are spliced together from certain drills.
1: It reminds is- me of the with the Last Jedi trailer of everyone analyzing the fire behind Ray and Kylo. Yes. Because Ray the scene with Ray, that was the hand touch. And then with Kylo, it was at the end in the supremacy. <coughs> and with Kylo at the end, it was with the supremacy. <laughs> and everyone yeah. was like everyone was like, Oh my god. And then an hour later we're like, It's different scenes. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it felt like for this as well. This one seems a little bit more subtle, but uh
0: well, the best thing ever is that this tie that Kylo has, which I think it's Kylo. We all know his hands, right? Hands are language, guys. Yeah. Show us his hands. We know who we are. Let's be honest. The gloves really does kind of throw me off just because, and maybe at this point they're working together, but he's not fully on the, on the good side yet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Therefore, he's wearing the gloves, which I totally think that could be a thing because they really went for when the gloves are off, like, he's good. When the gloves are on, he's bad type, (laughs) you know. Symbolism. Yeah, like, the most simple symbolism ever in The Last Jedi. And I think that, like, they could probably employ that here. I do think this is in the beginning of the film, too. So if I could guess, like, when Kylo's redemption is going to happen or, like, when he's going to join the good side, I really do think it's in, like, Act 1, transition to Act 2. 77 Um, minutes. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I think 77 minutes might be something else. You never know. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I. But if you guys don't know, 77 minutes is like when big things happen in Star Wars, <laughs> which is really funny. And we didn't know about that until a listener, Sarah, sent us an email about it. And we were like, wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and now it's like, oh, my God, what's going to happen at 77 minutes? Mm-hmm. And We're going to bring in a stopwatch. Not on um, the first viewing. No, not on the first viewing, but maybe the third. So the coolest thing is that someone who is really, you know, adept in understanding ties and ships um, said that this tie seats two and like the way that it looks and the way that it's built, it seats two. So I like can't get over that. I think it's crazy (laughs) where it could potentially seat
1: two. It reminds me, there's this song that's like a bicycle built for two. Uh-huh. That's what I think of when I think of the Tie Fighter belt for
0: two. <laughs> well, I do think about that Tie Fighter that has like the two, like the two roundness. I think that it's even on the Resistance poster. Um, but this one, I think, is pretty roomy and large, and potentially she's jumping on it to get inside of it. And I don't know why they're training. Like, I think that there's a couple of re- like things that we could theorize about like what they're training for. But I think that it's obviously that they're trying to figure out how. To like, they have meet, a, they meet have a up. plan, yeah. They have a plan, but like, what is the plan? And I think that it's in, they're going to be put into some situation where one person's like going really fast and they have to like access this somehow. And I don't know how, but I, I don't think that like this will be the final result. I don't know, maybe they'll have the tie when they go through whatever drill they're doing in like actuality, but. I can't wait.
1: Maybe, maybe they're, like, practicing their force connection.
0: That's what I was thinking as well, is that how How are they, like, I think that something really powerful happened when they were able to touch hands and, like, appear to each other. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Like, how do they make it so that the force opens up again for them? Like, is it potentially they have to do something, like, extremely cosmic and large? And almost to the point, like, we had... I was just watching The Force Awakens yesterday when um, I watched, I, guys, I watched The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi like basically every week at this point, if you were wondering. I was watching it and I was reminded by, by the fact that when Kylo, or when Rey slices open Kylo's face and the Force separates them by opening up the planet. Castle. And, like, everything is separated. And I think that, like, you can even think about, like, the cosmic effects of the Holden maneuver, like, slicing open in half the the lightsaber and sending them their separate ways, whatever. There's, like, a couple of different instances like that where I feel like the Force is like, no, stop fighting. And I wonder if, like, this is a situation where both of them having read these ancient Jedi texts understand that the only way to get the force connection to materialize is to do something pretty intense and pretty like violent, maybe not be the right word, but aggressive, like (laughs) jumping into a tie at like a a super fast moving speed, (laughs) (laughs) you know?
1: Okay. So what if there's this situation that they both realize, like maybe it's after they've met in this, you know, World between worlds type of place. And they both realize that they have to take down Palpatine. But they – Like, basically, Kylo – Kylo and Rey are both positioning the Resistance and the First Order Mm -hmm. in a battle that's not really against each other. But, like, they're kind of in charge. Like, they're all tier. Like, the Resistance and First Order are still doing their thing. But Rey and Kylo are – like each doing their thing from within the first order and the resistance in order to take down palpatine not really the like war of resistance versus first order mm-hmm. and so they're almost like practicing their communication and not like the force bomb but just like you know, like, Ahsoka, like, and Anakin and Obi-Wan, they all had, like, this force bond, like, this force connection where they could, like, kind of, like, hear each other's thoughts and feelings at certain times um, and, like, communicate with each other that way. And I wonder if, like, Rey and Kylo are practicing that piece of it for when they are in, like, a battle-type situation. Right. Because they're not allowed, like, they have to basically, like, keep up the ruse that they're on opposite ends and like enemies when they're not really and they have to be able to communicate
0: like non-verbally. And so like this is – They're like testing that. They have to yeah, practice so this that them, like, because they've been – Yeah, because they haven't really been together that much. Not as much as like say Anakin or, and Obi-Wan or Anakin and Ahsoka.
1: Yeah, and it's like the connection was, it was like so immediate and so much more intense than anything like Anakin and Obi-Wan or Luke and Obi-Wan had ever had, but they still – like, they need to be able to access it easily, to be able to do it easily when they're on the battlefield.
0: So, basically, what you're saying is like, Ray and Kylo are like, okay, so we have this force connection. It's super powerful, but we can't let Palpatine get to us because he will manipulate us. So, yeah. or like the dark side. And even sometimes, like, even saying Palpatine will get under our skin feels kind of cheesy. But I do think that it's more like, the dark side in general controlled by Palpatine.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so I think that they're they're both like, okay, so the only way, let's like make sure that we move as one and try this like crazy thing. And I promise yeah. it'll be okay. Let's just try this. I'll come at you really fast. You come at me really fast with your lightsaber and let like, let's see how it goes. Yeah. I won't hurt you. You won't hurt me.
1: Yeah. I think, yeah, I think at that point, whatever we're seeing in the trailer, it's like after they've already kind of, like more or less mended their relationship. Yeah,
0: um, I don't think it's like a well. I really hate you, but we have to do. Well, it. I kind of, I kind of like this. Like, I've been thinking a lot about that. Like, what that even looks like between them. I still think it's okay that if if Ray, I kind of want this feeling of Ray begrud- begrudgingly accepting Kylo back in, not back in, but just like in and like having to deal with being angry at him, but also having to figure out this Palpatine thing. Exactly. I like that. I think that it could like have some really good fun banter about that. Mm-hmm. If so, because that, that's what I'm thinking about. Like, um. What and Caitlin, you've been talking about this forever. Like, what does the situation look like where Ray has to tell Finn about Kylo and their force connection? And I think that, like, if she is somewhat annoyed that like he's there or like <laughs> something <laughs> like that, I think that it like really fun comments could come out of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think. Yeah, I don't think Ray is. um, the, And again, the question becomes though. Like, if that conversation between Rey and Kylo, anyway, of them, where we, are, where we are in the timeline, and, like, if this scene happens at the beginning, like, the very beginning, what if, like, all of that content has already happened? Like, in the – could. You know, could. and we're, like, stepping into it, and it's, like, oh, they are – like, they're, they're already on, like, the same side at this point, um, even if they're, like, being secretive about it, whether it's just with the First Order or with the Resistance as well.
0: Yeah. I I also think that that's a possibility. I mean, any possibility. Again, it's just the fact that like conflict between them does have to unfold because that needs to be resolved Mm -hmm. in the same way that like a new conflict was kind of started at the end of The Last Jedi between them where Kylo, you know, was triggered and acted out, (laughs) I guess. And Rey kind of did not accept him back. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that, that that conflict definitely has to be resolved in this movie. Um, and Kylo has to earn his place back, which is why I think that like a witty banter between them could be really interesting. Can you imagine? <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> because I, I'm just like, I'm thinking about the conflict between the characters. Like, I don't think that we can step into this story without there being like a wall between Rey and Kylo, even though they they have to work through that wall.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why I think it's kind of a situation where the Force bond, like the Force brings them to this sacred place before they've resolved their issues. And that's where they find out or start to find out what's happening with Palpatine, whatever it is. And they realize that they have to work together. And it's like… And Kylo's, you know, Kylo's like, this is what I said. Like, we have to destroy the Sith. We have to destroy the Jedi. We have to destroy all of it. And Ray's like, I get that, but that's not the issue here. Right. <laughs> uh, you're right, but you're also
0: incredibly wrong. You're on- also like incredibly intense. Like, let's yeah. simmer down. <laughs> Take it down. The best thing, thing about us discussing this is something that we've talked about before about how the fight between the First Order and the Resistance should take kind of second stage in this movie in that it's like a greater threat is at play here. Um, kind of pulling the strings of all of these and like this war that has gone on, the star war that has gone on for so long is ultimately cyclical and needs to stop. And almost it's so the same as what we heard before that like something even greater, like Palpatine coming back, something like an extreme or a more extreme threat um, kind of renders that smaller, do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, well, it reminds me so much of I think it was Dave that said this um throughout the Clone wars. it's like and and I want to say it was when it comes within the like a featurette about years on both sides. guy <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I don't actually remember that um. But Dave is ta- – like, they're talking about the war of, of the Separatists versus the Galactic Republic. And they're like, at the end of the day, like, all of these people are losers. Like, Dooku is the loser. The Separatists yeah. are the loser. Like, it's all Palpatine doing it. And, like
0: – It's the Jedi slow. or the losers. Like, yeah. everyone loses because of Palpatine. No one He's the many. ultimate villain. He yeah. takes and he takes and he takes. And, like, the crazy I mean, thing is that he took from – He's taken from every single one of her main characters, especially the Skywalker sky oh my God, <laughs> especially the Skywalkers. I can't believe I just said that. Guys, I have a cold, so I'm on cold. Oh medicine. my God, no
1: excuses.
0: I'm just there's those are excuses. my I have a cold. <laughs> Concrud got me. um every Skywalker has been affected personally by Palpatine. I think that you can look at Padme. And there's all those theories about like her lifeblood drain- being drained by Pal- Palpatine, sure, if you want to go down that path, but her lover was taken and manipulated by Palpatine. Anakin lost everything because he was lied to for so long about Palp like from Palpatine. You know, it, I'm afraid in your anger you killed her. Luke, everything was taken from him, his childhood, his his parents, everything was taken from him from Palpatine. And it, finally he was able to defy that and make sure that Vader uh, would rise above Palpatine. Leia, her entire planet was taken from Palpatine her her parents, her family, everything that she loved her 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 royalty, her history. And here we have her again, at least in like what we can theorize, potentially her son's upbringing being completely possessed by Palpatine slash Snoke, who I I suppose is an agent of Palpatine or just another puppet. Um, All of these are, everyone is being controlled by Palpatine, every single Skywalker. And it's up to this new generation to rise above and get rid of this evil because there is no greater evil than this master puppet master. Master puppet master.
1: When you lay it all out like that, it's like,
0: oh, my God, it's so obvious. <laughs> it is so obvious. And it's like, how could we not think I about this before? Yeah. That, he, that this, and, you know, we've talked about this so much. That's the crazy thing is that he is the ultimate chess master. And I think that we like almost, I think that we like wanted to transpose Palpatine for Snoke. Yeah. In all these discussions, because I think that there's an aftermath, like when Leia feels like her son inside of her about, you know, there's that dark, that creeping dark. And then also um, in The Force Awakens when she goes, no, it was Snoke. He seduced our song to the dark side. And it's like, okay, so we all we want to say that it's Snoke because we have we want to like draw this bridge between the prequels and the sequels and the way that they mirror each other because we have. Anakin being almost being seduced his entire life by Palpatine. And we want to think the same thing for Ben Solo. And I think that that's true and that still can be true, but there could be a greater power here where, you know, Palpatine is at the top, which it's really interesting because when you follow this line of thought, it's like, okay, so what does this mean for the throne room scene? What does this mean for the fact that Kylo killed Snoke at that point? You know, there was this, there was this man inside of his head this entire time who, was his his master, his abuser, everything. Um, that is canon. That's everywhere. And he killed him for Rey for himself. And I think that, like, the fact that... Yeah, you're right. Like, he's still there. Like, because is Snoke in league with Palpatine? And I think he is. Or was Snoke always going to usurp and try to defy Palpatine as well, but he was trying to find, like, create the ultimate darkness in Kylo Ren, in... You know the Skywalker legacy. Who has to fulfill and carry out the 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 murder and the bringing down of Palpatine in the same way that they tried with Vader.
1: But Snoke is, or Snoke isn't a Sith, whereas Palpatine is, or I guess perhaps he's a step above Sith at this point. But now I keep thinking about Maz Kanata's line in The Force Awakens about how I see your eyes just in different people. Yeah, and how everything repeats itself. Like when you start really thinking about these details, you're. Like oh my god, of course it's Palpatine. <laughs> um, how could it not have been Palpatine? But it's like that same evil is represented in Snoke because we, mm-hmm. like you said, we kept trying to like replace Snoke with Palpatine when actually there was no need to replace him because it always was Palpatine. Um, mm-hmm. If if Snoke was even like this sounds crazy, but if Snoke was even like a real person. I mean, uh, I just, think he was. I mean, I think he was, but was he so corrupted by Palpatine, or just like basically like an actual puppet controlled by Palpatine with like out any free will? And the real question is is if in Palpatine's grand plan that he's had this whole time, just like Palpatine was like super okay with Anakin being with Padme, because he knew he knew that he could use that to his advantage. Was Kylo killing Snoke a part of the plan? Like, was Palpatine like, yes, everything is foreseeing as we everything is proceeding as we have foreseen, or was that the thing where he was like, oh crap, I got to get down there <laughs> and like fix this because I didn't see that coming? Like, was Palpatine surprised by that plot twist? Like we were,
0: or was he? Well, I think that it all hinges on the fact that, and this is like where the Raylo thing comes in. Just like Anakin defying palpatine in that ending that we thought was the ending um was reversed by love you know love of his son love of his family Mm -hmm. i think that at this point i think that you're what you say is that i think that it did screw everything up because of ben solo's love for Mm ray i think you're, and i think i think that like that's Obviously, that's what George Lucas said this entire time. Like the whole thing is about love. Like everything's about love. <laughs> and I think that like that's where things, where paths change, and it's something that Palpatine and every Dark sider just can't understand because there is no love on the Dark Side.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's kind of it's kind of where where he was able to manipulate Anakin because Padme wasn't a Force user. Exactly. Um, that's not to say she wasn't powerful, of course, but. It's like with Ray, powerful light means powerful darkness. And within mm-hmm. the Force, they balance each other out, whereas that wasn't the case with Anakin and Padme. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Palpatine could use his Force connection to Anakin to manipulate that, whereas there's – some, and we, we've talked about this a lot as well, the fact that the Force itself, the cosmic Force, is very pro mm-hmm. um, at least from what we've seen. And so it's almost like the Force is, like, battling Palpatine itself – as mm-hmm. it tries to like prepare Rey and Kylo for this inevitability of them having to go head to head against Palpatine in the end, of course. And I like that, cannot okay. freaking believe it's 2019 and we're talking about Palpatine. It makes so much sense, though. It does, though. It do- I'm, I'm sitting here, <laughs> I'm like, I can't believe that we're talking about Palpatine. I can't <laughs> believe that I didn't that we didn't speculate that we were going to be talking about palpatine like
0: well do you remember all the speculation that happened i think we probably talked about it in a really early episode of the show about all the speculation about ray and I, i'm not saying ray palpatine but everyone talking about how ray's theme in a way mirrors palpatine's theme good god and how all of that like we even got an email from Kyle who said that the Palpatine's theme is in the last Jedi trailer as well? And it's like all these things are seated in together. And I'm not saying I don't really know enough about music for me to definitively say that Ray's theme contains part of Palpatine's theme, but this theor- theorizing was happening then. Mm-hmm. and I think that like it's safe to say that potentially that could have been something that was seated within, because it, it's also like we, it was very clear that Ryan Johnson had input in talking to John Williams about what themes he wanted to recycle and, like, what he thought would be so good. Like, you even hear Battle of the Heroes from Revenge of the Sith. It's, like, one of my favorite things in the very beginning of The Last Jedi. And you hear all these themes come in, and it makes me think that, like, probably a really similar conversation happened with J.J. We just haven't heard about it.
1: Yeah. And the fact, too, that Ryan Johnson talked a lot with Dave Filoni Mm-hmm. And we talk about how they talked about Mortis, but I guarantee you they talked about World Between Worlds too.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think that like both of those go hand in hand. So yeah, like exactly. The and you're like, so, oh, <laughs> so crazy. It's
1: so crazy. Um, I think a lot. I I can't believe I've been thinking about Palpatine this much. Um. But you think about, like, the the Sith, and we talked about this a little bit in our Defiance episode about the rule of two when it comes to the Sith, and yeah. I think it's interesting because Palpatine, up until this point, he's been using one singular Skywalker. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's been using Anakin. He's been trying to use Luke, and then he, I, I guess, depending on what happens with the whole Snoke thing, he's been using Kylo mm-hmm. um, by themselves. But it's like Snoke points out that it darkness rises and light to meet it. When you kind of pair that with the Sith mantra of always two there are, like, perhaps Palpatine is like, oh, this is what that meant. Like, these are the two I needed. I needed this balance in order to, like, have galactic domination.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Something like that or the fact that I, – I, when I hear "some always two, there are the rule of two when I think about Snoke and Kylo – that's why I think that maybe potentially they were working together to or like Snoke wanted to bring down Palpatine for ultimate power um, just because that's how the Sith operate. That's how the dark side operates is usurping the the one above. Mm-hmm. And I that's that's what I think of. But then I think that like all of that rule of two or like the symbiosis between all of these characters will be flipped on its head because it's also going to mirror like the Phantom Menace in a way. So, which is also crazy because here we have another version of the Phantom Menace. Like the Phantom Menace is is Palpatine continued, and it through was Palpatine the all along. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's always been <laughs> Palpatine. The Phantom Menace has always been Palpatine, and it's. I mean, still, how crazy it, is that? So, like, it's so <laughs> bananas. I can't. I, I just like I really don't believe it. Then it makes so much sense when you start actually thinking about how Palpatine functioned in the story as this puppet master, and the fact that we never saw the body. <laughs> um, and these got to see a body in Star Wars. Got, apparently, that's why to. they showed a Snoke. You got to see a body, and you got to see and/or Force ghost, Which I don't even want to say this, but we didn't see a body for Han Solo. <laughs> I think Han Solo is dead, though. Han Solo isn't a four teaser.
0: We would have known by
1: now. Exactly. I just it's it's
0: okay. Crazy. Let's go back to the teaser. Yes. So we get this image next of um of this city that looks almost underwater, or like almost like I don't know. It it looks like Otagunga, but it's not. I don't know. It's it looks very so cool. weird. Do you think? It's it's in the clouds, but it looks so ethereal. So, yeah, I'm just, like, really excited to go here. I don't really have any theories or anything, but it looks so fairytale-esque, so ethereal, so interesting.
1: It does look very fairytale-esque. The whole thing looks very
0: fairytale,
1: <laughs> especially... Um...
0: Well, the whole panel, like, opened with a clip of George Lucas, or I can't remember if it was George or if it was J.J., Talking about how it started as like a modern fair retelling of a fairy tale. Uh
1: huh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> just gonna leave that there. Okay. So next we have Lando and Chewy and the Falcon. Gonna be honest, yeah. don't really care.
0: I mean, it's great, I mean, it's but great. whatever. It's- it's- <laughs> <Lynn>. <laughs> I'm just like all I care about is our new characters <laughs> I mean, now. You know, so <laughs> all I care
1: about is Ray and Kylo, literally, and then well, and okay, then so Finn and just- Rose and
0: BB-8. And Let's just place this. Actually, we missed You missed the Kylo scene. You just like went straight over the Kylo uh, well, scene. well, I, I hit the I hit the the forward button and it just it, it jumped past. Fifteen it. seconds is a lot. In it was ten. <laughs> well, back to like the fact that Lando and Chewie have the Falcon. I think that's really interesting because then we can theorize that maybe our theory about Ray and Kylo like sharing this tie could be true. Like why? What are Chewie and Lando doing? Are they all on the Falcon? Like, are they using different modes of transport? What is the ship that is going into this, like, fairytale-esque land that we're discussing? So, What is that? Do you
1: think the place where Kylo is plowing down that guy is where we saw the ship landing? No. What's with the red light everywhere? That's a really good question. I swear to God, if it's a killer base too, I'm gonna.
0: That's the only thing I can think it of because be, that's it, the red
1: light. It cannot be a killer base. I don't too. think JJ would do that. I'm he, gonna be honest. I think, please don't be. A so Starkiller do we base think?
0: This, our friend Alex pointed out that there's like two Knights of Ren looking guys that she's that he she that he is like plowing down.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know how to think about this. Like my my heart is like, yes, like. Defeat the dark side, Kylo. And you're like, oh my god, is that Carrie Russell? <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's not Carrie Russell. But I just like, I the, such a power move. It's so good. It is all I want is this to be like Kylo going against the First Order with the Stormtrooper Rebellion. I've kind of let the Stormtrooper Rebellion go, but I do think it would be really great if Kylo. Was able to re-command the stormtroopers to fight for the good side.
1: Oh, that's a new theory. I mean, it's it's the same
0: theory. The well, yeah, Stormtrooper rebellion, but, well, no, the stormtrooper uprising, has
1: been the same theory. But Kylo's never been attached to it. You've always theorized that as like the not the B plot, but like Finn's plot.
0: It still could be Finn's plot because it does seem like that. The way JJ put it is that everyone is going on this adventure together. Like that, there's going to be like a sense of togetherness. But and I think that like who knows? Like maybe Finn could convince Kylo to like turn around the command and fight for the good side
1: i'm just really excited i bet that i bet that this sequence that we're seeing here with kylo in the woods is like a one shot kind of sequence and it's just adam driver going
0: <laughs> oh i think so too like do you amazing. think that is it'll be slow mo in the movie as well maybe i almost think it will be because i just want to see adam like completely go for it like we need one more really awesome Kylo moment where he's using that lightsaber like I think the really cool part about the shot is that he's using the cross guard part of the saber mm-hmm. to impale this guy yeah and it's like finally we see like a function of that because I remember when it debuted and we, everyone was like what the hell what is this well, was all the function in the first awakens he like sears it, Finn with it sure but a searing is different from like using it to its full capacity of a oh, yeah. saber so, i don't think finn know? would agree with you but okay <laughs> agreed agreed uh, it's still super awesome what's
1: great is that if this scene is what i am hoping it is with adam driver and then once we're done with the sequel trilogy that means we're going to get a great featurette that hopefully is just about this scene it's like here is adam driver training acting getting into character
0: going through the motions <laughs> Well, I have to say that like agreed, but I have to say this setting is also extremely fairy tale. Yes. Yeah. Oh like, my
1: god. It's like the forest. It's like a dark every
0: fairy tale. every time you show me a forest, I'm like, where are we? <laughs> because this is so it is like a dark fairy tale.
1: Well, it's like um, you know when uh when Snow White runs through the woods. Yes. And it's dark. Yes. That that scene is so scary in Snow White, and there's a man chasing her to carve out her heart.
0: Okay, I hope that's not Rey her children and <laughs> Kylo.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, but well, I mean, it's like <laughs> you could make Kylo Snow White in this metaphor, and then Palpatine is the huntsman. <laughs> True. I mean, you could you do could that. You could do that. You could actually do that. But this, like the the imagery in this scene, really reminds me of that. I think with the with the dark forest, the color red, um, it's bringing us back to that Force Awakens scene at the end. A lot of that is kind of parallel, but then also. Like fairy tales, Snow White running through the woods. Um, Like, it's like the trees are dark. Um, Mm -hmm. There's something. I mean, obviously, this is a dark scene. There's a battle going on. I'm not going to like try and speculate too much. (laughs) Like, clearly, there's a battle going
0: on. I still think that like maybe we don't know what's going on. We're already confused about who he's mowing down.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. We're definitely confused about that. I think that it's
0: probably a, it's like, it's a change of sides. I really do think that.
1: I'd be okay with that.
0: Obviously. I'd be very okay with that. <laughs> okay, so the next shot is the shot that we need to talk about that Caitlin and I have been waiting to talk about for so long since this leaked a long time ago. <laughs> Caitlin, can you please talk about Kintsugi, please?
1: <laughs> yeah, so a couple of months ago, there was a leak about Kylo's helmet being stitched, basically Put back together. And I don't really delve into leaks, but I remember Charlotte sent it to me immediately and was like, oh my God. I don't think you were like on board with it right away. You were like, this is what it is. No, it it felt like character regression. Yeah. I was annoyed. And immediately I was like, no, this is fine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because there's this – and a couple of people – there have been people who have been talking about this since, but um, there's this – Japanese philosophy. It's an art form really called kintsugi. And kintsugi means in Japanese golden joinery or golden repair. And basically, it's this way that the Japanese, like if they broke a pot or something, uh, rather than throwing it away and starting over, they would take the pieces and fix it and make the joins between the broken pieces very obvious so that you could see the cracks in it, um, and these are just kind of some quotes from it from Wikipedia. Honestly, um, it goes as a philosophy. It treats breakage and repair as a part of the history of an object rather than something to disguise, and and it became like people would do it very. Um, it wasn't like a like a rich person's thing to do. Like everyone did it, but then like it became an art form, and so you would actually do it like with gold, and so it became something like very valued. Um, and I'll just put a disclaimer: I don't know that much about it, but I, I recognized it instantly when we saw it on Kylo's helmet, and I was like, "Oh my god, this makes perfect sense!" Because like the whole thing that we've been talking about with Kylo is that you can't get rid, like you can't get rid of the things he's done. Just like you can't get rid of where he comes from. Um, Mm -hmm. All of that comes together. And the fact is that Kylo has to accept all of those pieces of who he is in order to step forward into the future. He can't let go of his past. That's how he's going to redeem himself for the future. Also a quote from animation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I just wanted to read a couple of things um, about Kintsugi that were here on the Wikipedia page. Which… Just like sound so Star Warsy, and again, just like how much Star Wars is based on Eastern philosophy and Asian philosophy, it just it makes so much sense. So let me see. Hold on. As a philosophy, kintsugi can be seen to have similarities um, to the Japanese philosophy of wabi sabi and embracing of the flawed or imperfect. Um, Japanese aesthetics value marks of wear by the use of an object. And it's like if the object is broken, that means it was being used. And if it was being used, then it was being valued. Um, so this can be seen as a rationale for keeping an object around even after it is broken. And as a justification of Kitsugi itself, highlighting the cracks and repairs as simply an event in the life of an object, rather than allowing its service to end at the time of its damage or breakage. And this in particular kind of reminds me of Kyle, like this whole theory, which I think is really valid of Kylo dying at the end. Um, I like like keeping keeping an object around rather than allowing its service to end at the time of damage or breakage. Mm-hmm. It's like just because Kylo is broken doesn't mean that he has to die. He definitely could die at the end, but for me, I, for me when I read this and because I'm relating it back to Kylo, that's kind of where my mind goes. Kitsugi can also relate to the Japanese philosophy of no mind, which encompasses the concepts of non-attachment, acceptance of change, and fate as aspects of human life. Um, and then this quote is from Christy Bartlett who wrote about the aesthetics of mended Japanese ceramics. And if you go and you look at images of these um, kitsugi pottery, it's, they're so beautiful and they're done in really creative ways. Um, and the the pieces were still used historically too. It's kind of crazy. So this is the quote Not only is there no attempt to hide the damage, but the repair is literally illuminated, a kind of physical expression of the spirit of Mushin. Mushin is often literally translated as no mind, but carries connotations of fully existing within the moment of non attachment, of equanimity amid changing conditions. The existence over time to which all humans are susceptible could not be clearer than in the breaks, the knocks, and the shattering to which ceramic wear, too, is subject. The poignancy or aesthetic of existence has been known in Japan as mono-no-aware, a compassionate sensitivity or perhaps identification with things outside of oneself. And like, if that just doesn't sound like the whole philosophy of what Star Wars has been leading to this whole time, I really don't know what does. Even with... Luke Skywalker himself. Um, the existence over time to which all humans are susceptible cannot be clearer than in the breaks, the knocks, and the shattering of which pieces like ceramics are subject to as well. Um, Luke was a victim of time and that his story didn't end at a happy ending because time keeps moving forward and it like life is cyclical. There are going to be ups and downs. Tragedy will come for you in some form or fashion, but that doesn't mean that You have – your service has to end and your place in the story has to end. And Kitsugi is all about acknowledging those – like those hardships, especially when like you use it like as an art form, not just as an actual way to repair something like a a vase or a bowl to use again. I just – like when I saw that
0: on Kylo's helmet way back when, I was like, yes. (laughs) I agree. And you're selling yourself short. I hadn't seen anyone think about this before you did. And I feel like the best thing about, like, thinking about the fact that Kylo is kind of honoring these scars that he has. And obviously, the scars, it's not just on his helmet. It's also on his face that was given to him by Ray. Mm-hmm. All of these scars that he has, it mirrors the fact that Ray is, like, covering up her wounds. But it's like you can tell that she's covering it up because she's wearing less clothing. But she is also wrapping her scar in bandage or even the lightsaber has a bandage over it. It's not like she got a new hilt. She covered it up. And it's all this obvious acknowledgement of the problems of before rather than trying to it's like it's covering it up but also acknowledging that it is being covered up.
1: Yeah, there's this interesting section um in the article where it talks about its influence on modern art which I think here we can Insert Star Wars. Um, (laughs) So it it says, Kintsugi is the general concept of highlighting or emphasizing imperfections, visualizing men's and seams as an additive or an area to celebrate or focus on rather than the absence or missing pieces. Modern artists experiment with the ancient technique as a means of analyzing the ideas of loss, synthesis, and improvement through destruction and repair or rebirth. Like that's what Kylo needs to do. (laughs) He <laughs> to analyze the idea of loss with his father, of synthesis, of coming full circle with his family and with his identity, with the light and the dark, and improvement through destu- destruction and repair or rebirth. But, like, that's Kylo's thesis statement. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know. Yeah. The I remember some Raylos were kind of worried um, or people who are condemnationists were kind of worried when they saw the mask coming back. But… <coughs> I really do think for as much as these things are supposed to be highly symbolic, like the mask itself is a shell, as it's been described multiple times in canon around Kylo Ren, the fact that it's being repaired is... And it's also a broken shell. It's a broken shell. A repaired
0: but broken shell. Mm -hmm.
1: And now it's literally broken. And even though the mask itself will eventually be thrown by the wayside, I think... um, and and perhaps it could even be kept something like that because it's not Kylo who's fixing the helmet, um. It's yeah. Um, th- let's get back to the trailer furry because hands. the fact that
0: it's, <laughs> yeah, what is up with the furry hand? So is it you
1: know Kylo that's like fix my helmet or is it someone else?
0: Yeah, so that's the weird thing to me that, and I've also seen this theory spring up around the internet about like, will there be. In the absence of Kylo, you know, running amok with Rey and, like, defeating Palpatine, what happens to the Supreme Leader? Will Hux, like, take over as the Supreme Leader and kind of hide um, within this mask? Will there be, a like, a puppet leader in, in the interim? Will there be, like, an, a hostage takeover, a hostile takeover? I don't know. Like, I think that that's a valid theory, and that's why they have they don't show Kylo mending his helmet and they don't show him in the helmet at all in this trailer Mm -hmm. is because like you want to think about like oh that could be something that could happen Mm -hmm. you know in in the fact that I I've been very open about the fact that I really do think that Hux will stage a coup um and have a hostile takeover of the government that Kylo is running yeah maybe the end result of that is it works and Hux is in charge and he doesn't and he wears the mask.
1: Mm-hmm. You, Hux wears the mask?
0: He could. I mean, he could. I think Yeah,
1: I think those are all really feasible theories as far as like in regards to like who's making the mask, like at whose behest, where it's going, is being kept, is it being worn by someone other than Kylo? I think all of those are really interesting theories that I'm sure we'll speculate a lot more on once we get more teasers and trailers and stuff. But I think the philosophy behind Kinsuke, I think it – has to be heavily considered um, because we see Kylo in that mask on the, we saw it on the mural um, at Star Wars Celebration. So I think that they're wanting you, I don't know. To me, I was like, it's (laughs) Kintsugi. Everything is fine.
0: (laughs) I think at some point in the movie, Kylo will wear this helmet. Yeah, I think so too. And you have to, it is Kylo's helmet. Like you have to consider it a part of him. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, It's really interesting. Okay, so back to the teaser. So we get this shot, and then we get a shot of Finn and Poe, which I think is watching Kylo and Rey spar uh, in that first scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just think I, he, he's holding the staff. Like, she's probably like, "Here, hold my staff. I'm gonna go do this." <laughs> <laughs> That's how it feels, and like the 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 the, the like topography around them looks just like the desert that they were in before. I could be totally wrong about this, but I think that it's, that's fun to speculate that it's like part of the same scene yeah. that they're witnessing it.
1: And I like his, exp- I like Finn's expression too, because he's kind of like, mm, not so sure. He's about like yeah. but kind of concerned in kind of judgy. Yeah. Which I'm like, there's that emotion I want out of that like whole dynamic.
0: <laughs> exactly. And then we have BB-8 and his new buddy, which I think like on a thematic level, I think it's really interesting that they choose to bring in a smaller droid. I don't know what to think about it, and I don't really know, like, D.O.'s personality. Um, if – super cute, and I think that they, like, in the concepts they showed at the panel, there was even, like, a rubber ducky and, like, a duckling, and that's kind of how they're, like, kind of presenting this character, that, like, potentially he kind of imprints on BVA and just follows him around just like a duckling sure. would. It's super cute. It's just an interesting addition thematically, like why do we need another droid and why do we need a droid? And I think that it might have to do with this idea of companionship all throughout Star Wars, where in that last one we have the main droid get his counterpart. Like we have we have uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 and they are counterparts and each each character has like a buddy in its way in its in its own way you know mm-hmm. and everyone, maybe this everyone is everyone
1: needs a buddy
0: well i think that that's like that's true about star wars is that like you kind of everyone does need a buddy and like the whole idea of not being alone in star wars and in the sequel trilogy is so important that like here we have another character bb8 the star of the sequel trilogy in terms of droids getting a buddy so he's not just alone Aww. and I know that we can talk about resistance and we can talk about CB-23 and everything and um, that those droids that are introduced here but I think that like purely from this for the sake of the movies and from a thematic standpoint I think that that's totally a valid um, reading of this everyone needs a friend well yeah everyone you don't deserve to be alone
1: yeah they would never have to be alone again Yep.
0: okay wow <laughs> Okay, so we're back to Lando and Chewy. We already talked about that. That's great. Exciting, sure. <laughs> and then the saga comes to an end. And then this this fun like looks like it's almost a pod racing yeah. area. I don't know. Got, what is they've
1: got like lights on the side of it, almost like it's a landing or like a lane that you're supposed to go yeah, through.
0: That's that's why I think it's a pod racing area, because it's you know, you have to stand stay within those like a race racetrack. Mm-hmm.
1: You see this great shot of C-3PO just like holding on to the <laughs> mast of the ship as it were and it's like, what are we I doing? love it. It's- it looks like
0: an old, like a, like a, kinda, not a pirate ship, it, but like a sailboat. It kind of reminds
1: way. me, this is a weird cut, it reminds me a little bit of Treasure Planet.
0: I it's agree. Kind of I was thinking about that as well, about how it has that steampunk, yeah. sci-fi Western. pirate ship kind of look. Yeah. yeah. And I think you have that shot of Poe like piloting it, like the guy in Treasure Planet, and like the outfits are the same. I I totally see that. Mm-hmm. I l- I cannot wait to find out what happens with this and like what's going on because the then the the stormtroopers in the back with these jetpacks on, what so cool, really cool. Okay, and then we see the metal, the metal, the metal. So the metal, I think, is Leia's hands. Yeah, I think they're, they're like. They're pretty manicured, but not too manicured. I don't think it's Ray's hands, and I think the hands are a little bit older. Yeah. But I could be wrong about that. But I think that, like, even having a scene where Leia is reconnecting with these relics of the past, I don't think we've had that moment with her yet. We've had it with, like, we've had it with Han, we've had it with Luke. I think that here's Leia's moment mm-hmm. where maybe it's Han's medal. I think people have said it's Han's medal. We but- don't know that. Yeah, we don't know that. I think that it could be Luke's medal, but I think that probably if it's in the Falcon, it's probably yeah. I mean, Hans I metal. think it's
1: likely Han's medal, but it could not. Be yeah, Hans. There, she could have She could pick up another one.
0: She could pick up them both. Um, yeah. And be like, man, you know, I should have given Chewie one. Maybe maybe in the next scene, she's like, here, you should have this, Chewie. Yeah, that would be really. I don't know if I can't. I. I I've seen people talk about that before, and I think that that would be a little too fanservicey, in my opinion. I think if, like but set them it would be kind of funny and like walked out, and then like Chewy picked it up, yeah,
1: or just like put it in his bag, but like not as like a I guess now it's mine, but as a, like oh this was Hans, and yeah,
0: so, now it's yeah, mine. yeah, or
1: or I guess even if Leia was like a he would want you to have this, uh-huh. I
0: could I, I think I could get behind that. Um, yeah, be I agree. And then we have the shot of uh, Leia with Rey in a hug that's super similar to what we saw in The Force Awakens, which makes me think that this was superimposed fit- footage from that movie, because that's what we're dealing with. But she has the ring from The Last Jedi, so really just great use of footage going on here. And I- I'm ready to be super impressed and yeah, with Carrie. There's a lot of technology being used for these scenes. <laughs> yeah, I'm so ready for it. Mm-hmm, same. And, like, why are they crying? I don't even know. Why are they crying about Ben dying? Oh, my God. Okay, I don't... Not, I, I'm, like, n- next. I'm not putting that energy no, out no, there, but know. I'm just going to... I just want to say that that's what I'm thinking.
1: It's <laughs> already been filmed. There's nothing more we can yeah, do.
0: You're right. <sighs> okay, so here we have the shot of the group looking at the sunken Death Star, which I didn't realize was the Death Star the first time I saw it. 100% no. Did not realize either. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, first off, what is Ray holding? Second, Ray has a hood. Nice. Just like Kylo has a hood. Second, um, they're looking at the Death Star. So I think that it's just so perfectly poignant that Ray, a scavenger who scavenged um Imperial Star Destroyers her entire life, has to scavenge in the Death Star or the Death Star 2 one last time. I've also seen it seen said that. This is Endor. And I think that's totally possible. I think anything is possible for what planet this is because the Death Star crashing into a planet could have drastic effects on, like, the water level and everything. Mm -hmm. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happened because, like, an ocean would emerge from, like, a star crashing into another planet. That's just how, like – Life happens, you know? Yeah.
1: I wonder it kind of reminds me of a lot of what we talked about with the Colossus. Yes. About there being something on the Colossus, like Forcey that was on the Mm -hmm. Colossus that the first order and subsequently Snoke is after in the show. But I wonder if that's like the case with the Death Star.
0: Yeah. I think that's totally how it's going to be. I think there's going to be some weird force stuff that happens inside of the Death Star, especially like if that's where Palpatine is and the mm-hmm. next thing we hear is his, his laugh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but if we could back up a little bit, um, we hear... Luke overhead saying, we'll always be with you, and no one's ever really gone. And then we hear the Palpatine laugh. And those two lines are really interesting to me. We'll always be with you really reminds me of that scene in Harry Potter. And I, I know I'm sorry to bring in Harry Potter again, but I think it's it's worth it just because that is an example of a modern myth at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, When Harry goes into the forest in the Deathly Hallows and he has the resurrection stone and he brings back his parents to talk to about what 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 it's like at the end. And it's a really emotional scene. If you guys have ever read the Deathly Hallows or seen the movie and right before Harry has to go face Voldemort and he's willing to make that sacrifice, he's willing to die for what he has to do in order to destroy this greater evil in Voldemort. But he brings back his parents and like a ghost of his parents and everyone who around him who has died. And he's asking like, what is death like? What is it like? Does it hurt? And all these things. And it's like super emotional. And I love, I love that scene. It's, I, I think one of the first scenes JK Rowling ever wrote when she wrote the Deathly Hallows. And I imagine Luke almost saying something similar to Ray and Ben as like, we'll always be with you. Um, we'll figure this out together like we passed on all we know but this is your fight like we believe in you you can do this mm-hmm. and we'll always be here for you no one has ever really gone Yeah, like
1: this is as far as we can go with you on this journey
0: exactly and i think that like those things can be super parallel and i think that like in a way i remember walking out of the last jedi and thinking about harry potter immediately when i thought about like I don't know the the force the force uh, bond is almost in a weird way like extremely Harry Potter to me and all these things but I do think that there's there could be potentially similarities between those two scenes it's crazy
1: kind of thinking about that I think initially I would like for this to be the second death star
0: if oh yeah for sure I think it will be the second I death think star so too because that it, that's where Palpatine died here, uh, supposedly, um, well,
1: yeah, <laughs> it, it's where it's where we last saw him in the timeline. But and and kind of jumping off of your Harry Potter uh, comparison about how like Harry was ready to like die at the end of Deathly Hallows in order to take down Voldemort, who was the most evil of, of every, everything he had encountered up until that point, and someone who he was intrinsically tied to as well, which. The Skywalker point, the Skywalker family is kind of in the same situation with Palpatine. It's just been going on for three generations Ever. now because mm-hmm. um, Star Wars, you know, always takes it to the next level. Um, but in the Death Star and Return of the Jedi, that moment at the end with Palpatine, like both Luke and Vader were ready to sacrifice everything, like even their lives. And that moment, like Luke put complete trust in his father, put his life on the line in order to, like, stand up and, and you know, have that compassion and love for his father again, or to show it to his father. And Vader, in the same vein, when he re- came back to the light side as Anakin, like, sacrificed his life in order to get rid of Palpatine in order to save Luke. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think here we'll be seeing the same thing with Ren And we've talked about this before, too. It's like, they live or die together, Ray and Kylo. Yep. And I think we're going to yep. be, I think maybe we'll be seeing some of that here.
0: Well, I hear when you talk about this, about like the ability to face death, um, I think about Padme and her saying, I'm not afraid to die. And Padme was never afraid of death at all. And like here we have Ray, who a lot of people think is like almost a stand-in for Padme and, and Kylo almost a stand-in for Anakin and like what are those similarities there? Um, I think it's really interesting. Do you think Palpatine is alive or do you think that he is some sort of dark side manifestation, some sort of spirit? I
1: think perhaps he learned how to cheat death. Yep. Um yep. But I don't, I don't know if I think he's like a physical being anymore. I think perhaps we, we've discussed this about how the Sith can't,
0: become force goes ghost. but i wonder if it's something different but they can like if, but apparently like the dark side can possess certain um things yeah if, Pal-
1: if palpatine w- like if palpatine was never really even a sith to begin with
0: um yeah. it was just like a placeholder for him i mean it could have been i i think always about that line which I think this is just so evil if you follow this line of thinking of Palpatine being like, to cheat death is a path or is an ability only one has achieved. But if we work together, we can discover the secret. He says that to Anakin the moment after he turns to the dark side and pledges himself. And if Palpatine is the person that he is referring to, and he's known how to cheat death this entire time, it only deepens the myth of Anakin And, like, the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker in that he turned for that knowledge. Palpatine never gave him that knowledge because he was so controlling over Yeah, because he was so controlling over I wonder what
1: that means for Palpatine in The World Between Worlds when he's trying to get Ezra to bring him in
0: there. I think that he's still trying to figure it out. But, like, maybe – I don't know. I think that that's a good point. That's a good point because, yeah. I mean, nothing has been – confirmed about the world between worlds <laughs> right like that that's the thing they can do whatever they want <laughs>
1: yeah that, that's a, there's a reason why palpatine wasn't like ezra i'm here so i can learn how to cheat death
0: <laughs> yeah well the whole thing is that like all of the canon about Plagueis, and i mean um, all we know is this the tragedy of darth Plagueis the wise right that he told anakin in revenge of the sith but like Darth Bane and like all of this, you know, extra ex- extended universe, expanded universe stuff isn't really canon anymore. So I really do think that like they can do anything with Palpatine and his ability to understand how to cheat death that wouldn't surprise me.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> like this is the most I've ever thought about Palpatine in my entire life. That's
0: not true. We've talked about Palpatine, we about Palpatine at a Wind's lot, end.
1: but never this much in one episode. He comes up a lot, but it's always like, well, Palpatine sucked, but he's
0: dead. (laughs) This all just goes back to me really needing Rey's vision that she has in the elevator to be right. when She doesn't have the vision in the elevator. She has the vision in the hut when she says, you know. Solid and um, clear. Yeah, solid and clear. You'll not bow before Snoke. I, I see... I just really hope that there's a future for them together and that vision that they both saw or that she saw that she's the one that is right.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, I'm not going to go into Master and Apprentice spoilers because Caitlin hasn't read it and I'm the only one that has read it. But I do think that that book goes into like how to interpret prophecies and visions and everything. And it's pretty it's aligned very much with what we learn in the movies about like visions are fluid and they should be taken seriously but they shouldn't you shouldn't put so much into it that it becomes selfish and obsessive because the future is always in motion
1: mm-hmm.
0: And I think that that's, like, totally true for Ray's vision. I think that potentially she could have thought that – and we've talked about this before. She could have thought that that vision would have come true in that throne room. And in a way – in a weird way, it kind of did. But I think that it's about to come true in a much greater sense in this movie. Yeah.
1: She was kind of – she kind of had tunnel vision on what they were doing. Exactly. Which is, like, not how it's supposed
0: to go at all. Yeah. So
1: I wonder I wonder if she's, like, been reading about Palpatine um, – like, if other Jedi people have – other Jedi people. If other Jedi in those books have been talking about – like, the like what if it was, like, a journal? I mean, like, Journal of the Wills kind of thing. But it's also, like, diary entries. Like, these people on the council, like, Yoda has put in notes there about, like, you know, like, the dark side has clouded everything. Like, this is the – this is the vision that I've been seeing, but like all the Jedi masters before him had also been doing the same thing. And so Ray is like reading all these things and she's like, Oh my God, like this is all connected. Like it's like, it's not, it's all the same person. It's all the same darkness.
0: Yeah. And she's like getting, it's just taken different forms. Yeah. But, but just it, like Maz says. But it's all headed by Palpatine. Yeah. Yes, Exactly. <sighs> I don't know if it all is headed by Palpatine, but I think that like it could be because those those books are thousands of years old. It's just a matter of it's all there, I guess. Yeah. Oh, man. So what do we think of this trailer? A plus?
1: Oh, yeah. hundred percent. There's still so much yeah. we don't know. Um, this is just the first trailer. It's not supposed to. It's a teaser. It's not even a trailer. It's not supposed to tell you what's going on. And it, it doesn't. But it definitely it definitely teases. That's for sure.
0: What's insane is that they reveal Palpatine in this teaser. Yeah. Like, what is coming for us in this movie? I don't know. <laughs> like, I can't believe that that's what they've been keeping under wraps for so I long. I guess they're like, we held the title, we held the teaser, we held everything, so we're just gonna, bam. I mean, it's brilliant because everyone is theorizing now, and it just like it puts everything into perspective a little bit more. I think it's got, it, it, it's um, kind of
1: like the way they did with the Last Jedi when, in the trailer, Luke was like, "It's time for the Jedi to end." Yes, but also when Luke was like, "This is not going to go the way you think," <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, "Okay, you know, like prepare." It's telling. Yeah, it's telling us, and and I like how this both in the panel. That it kind of makes sense why in the panel they were like, nine-part sock and we're like, man, they really are hitting us over the head with that. Wonder why? <laughs> and then it's like, well, because Palpatine is here. Um, it's so and funny. And they're like, for the next eight months, everyone is going to be revisiting the first trilogy and the Clone Wars
0: and all of that. It's funny because in our Queen Shadow episode, we were talking about how great it was that Palpatine is so unbelievably sinister around Padme. Mm-hmm. I think it's so interesting that even that deeply in canon, they are still s- sowing the seeds for how Palpatine has manipulated or tried to manipulate the Skywalkers for so long, Padme being a Skywalker. Crazy.
1: Nice. I love Star Wars.
0: Me too. It's like this rich tapestry of like... Everything is planned and the whole the whole charade of everything not being planned, I'm so over because things have been planned. Like the fact that we have Kathleen Kennedy saying this has been on the table before we even wrote episode seven, like, are you kidding me? This, <laughs> this has always been part of the story that they wanted to tell. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it makes me really happy and I'm excited to go back and kind of be watching everything with new eyes. Um, and really pay a lot more attention to what Palpatine is doing. Also, I think it's funny how Charlotte and I rewatched some of the scenes from Rebels with Palpatine and that image – Rebel spoilers in the next couple seconds here. But Palpatine in that scene with Ezra where he tries to tempt him with his parents and he's the hologram that flickers between Palpatine and Sidious, is like the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. And we had both forgotten about it. When we watched it And both of us Were sitting in bed In the hotel room And we were like Oh my god It's, <laughs> it's so scary. scary
0: It's also So emotional It is Animation really got us This past weekend this guys This weekend
1: just like Proved how important Animation is And just like You gotta look to the animation For the future of Star, of Star Wars Star. Look to the animation Scratch department. it off For Sky Talkers Bingo And if you were at Celebration at our podcast stage You have a bingo card yeah. I don't know what's gonna happen We didn't We never talked about Like if you actually End up getting bingo What to do But I don't know Send us a picture <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay well is there anything we have forgotten to discuss
0: <laughs> i mean probably yeah. but i think we'll be talking about this for the next seven or eight uh-huh. months seven Definitely. months Definitely. six months six months oh my god okay
1: okay, okay.
0: that's okay. <laughs> that's not that much okay. time that's like techni- oh my god caitlin okay so we do an episode every other week no 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 no
1: don't start this <laughs> Don't start this, where you're like, there are 12 episodes of Sky Talkers left. Yes, like, no, yes, no you no, said it. No. I didn't. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! I just, I didn't even realize that I was actually doing the math. I just like picked a number.
0: You did the math. I mean, it's really the most basic math okay, ever. Gosh. So congratulations, this you did is- it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, well, that's stressful. I think we need to sign off so I can go watch the Phantom Menace. (laughs) I know, right? That's really stressful, 12 episodes. Oh my God. Actually, that's like really right at 12 episodes because the movie will probably come out around the 17th,
0: 16th of December. And we're at the... Keelan, you're doing this. I'm not doing this. I just want to say. This is why I don't like... I've taught you well, young Padawan. This is why I don't like when
1: you do it because it like this is what my head does. It just like starts spiraling. And I'm pretty good at compartmentalizing and being like, no, I'm not going to think about that. But once I do think about that, then I'm just like, oh my God, I can't stop. And that's where I am right now okay (laughs) okay well thanks for listening all right um (laughs) i hope you enjoyed our trailer breakdown speculation road that we traveled on this episode um thank you again to everyone who was either at our podcast stage said hello to us at celebration or just followed along online um it has been so fun it's it's I love Star Wars. I love Star Wars Celebration. Um, I can't say that enough. And it was really fantastic to spend time with as many of you as we could for however brief it was. Um, It really did mean a lot to us to... Like we said before, have you talking back to us <laughs> in person <laughs> instead of just online um, for a couple of days. But if you want to follow us online until Celebration 2020, you can head on over to Sky Talkers Pod on Twitter or our personal handles at Clarity and at Caitlin Plusher. We also have our website, skytalkers.com, Instagram, Facebook. Wherever you choose to get your social media, we're probably there. Just Google search us. And uh, you can also head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review so other people can join in the speculation train with us. And we can all have fun together.
0: That was my train noise. I figured. Okay. I want to thank our amazing patrons. Jason, Bailey, Eric, Kelly, Kimberly, Amy, Neil, Mary, Larry, James, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Angela, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Courtney, Brian, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, Gina, Ewan, Rebecca, Donnie, Vundacast Productions, Christian, Adam, Megan, Courtney, Santara, Thomas, John, Dominic, Megan, Kate, Matthew, Fernanda, Chell, Manny, David, Claudia, Kate, Brooklyn, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumpa Rue, Patrick, James, Hamsa from a certain point of view, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stewart, Kyle, Jennifer, kells Chastity, Alaya, Travis, Katie, Alyssa, Rebecca, Andy, Delaney, Angela, Ali, Natalia, Ali, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Jordan, Molly, Aaron, Brooke, Heli, Scott, Ira, Bell bj casey lauren tom edith connie robbie kirstie the clashing sabers podcast and chuck you guys are awesome and your support really does mean the world i'm sorry that i was like croaking through that i'm sick i have the (laughs) (laughs) congrats but i hope you forgive me thank you guys so much for supporting us yes
1: thank you guys and as always until next time may the force be with you
0: may the force be with you